to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We have arrived at the end of the Matildas The World at Our Feet documentary series over on Disney+. Plus. We're up to episode six. And this was a big episode. It was... There, there were a lot of moments in this that really made me kind of like tear up and stop and just sort of like take stock of everything that we had learned in the documentary, but also just like being a Matildas fan. But not going to get into it now. Get into it very, very shortly. Before we do, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you've got me, Marissa Lordanik, Sam Lewis, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So, friendos, I think we have to start this episode with the woman herself, Kathy Freeman, which you probably, unless you've watched the documentary, that doesn't make sense why we would start this chat with Kathy Freeman. But she is basically the the central thread throughout this episode and what she did for women in sport back in 2000 at the Olympics. Um, were you guys maybe, not surprised, but were you... Did you kind of find it a little bit, not weird, but sort of, I don't know what word I'm looking for. Did you guys find it as surprising as I maybe did that literally half this team of footballers cite Kathy Freeman as their biggest idol growing up and the kind of sporting inspiration because of what she did at 2000? I don't find it surprising. And the reason for that is because I think almost everybody our age would cite Kathy Freeman as a moment. You know, like I, little story time, but I was there actually when Kathy Freeman won the gold medal. Um, my mum went into a ticket lottery to to buy tickets to this particular night at the Olympics and we won and our tickets were somehow right on the finish line. So we were there. I was, how old was I? I must have been uh, seven, I think. Um, and... For the first time in my whole life, I was in a, a, a stadium of people, all like all of it, all every single atom of energy was committed to this woman. And when she crossed the finish line, for some reason, even though I had two working brain cells as a seven-year-old, I burst into tears. I didn't understand why but I was so swept up in the electricity of that moment, in the emotion of that moment. And I remember it to this day. It is something that forms the backbone of my sporting life. And so many of the Matildas talk about that moment in a very similar way, not just Lydia Williams and Kaya Simon as, as Indigenous women, but Sam Kerr talks about Kathy Freeman. Alana Kennedy talks about Kathy Freeman. So many of these players were inspired by what this woman did and the way in which she did it and what she represented when she did it as well. And so this episode, this final episode of the series is titled Lasting Legacy. And so many of these players have spoken about how they want to be to Australia what Kathy Freeman was to them. They want to have their own Kathy Freeman moment. They want to be able to inspire this nation. They want to be able to generate that electricity. They want to be able to plant that seed in so many other people who are watching them do what they can do because they know what can happen afterwards. They are proof of what can happen afterwards. So 
I think revolving this episode around that moment and connecting the Matildas to such an iconic athlete like Kathy Freeman, who represents so much about what we love in Australia. It's, I think it's, it's perfect. Like the story is just, it's in, incredible. And I, I love in particular that this episode opens and, and really heavily revolves around Lydia Williams because Lydia Williams is a player who has really not gotten the acknowledgement or the recognition that she deserves for doing what she's done. You know, like having started out where she started out, growing up in the deserts of Western Australia, she had, you know, bush animals as pets. She she moved to Canberra when she was young in order to pursue football. Being a, a First Nations person, coming through all the additional barriers that are placed in front of them in order to achieve anything is in itself extraordinary. But to have become the first Australian goalkeeper to reach 100 caps, which is acknowledged in the previous episode, she gives a really beautiful speech in the meal room about it. And then to have this final episode, which opens with her returning to country and recognising that her career is starting to wind down and knowing that this is a moment that herself and the team that she has helped to build and that she has been really one of the beating hearts of for such a long time has a moment to be able to replicate what Kathy Freeman did. It's, yeah, that was another moment for me, Marissa, where I was really, really, like, not upset, but I was really emotional about it because we've seen how much Kathy Freeman has done just in that one moment, that one race. And this Women's World Cup could be another moment like that for all of us. Man, I just wanted to be Lydia's best friend after watching this episode. She seems so great. Yeah, no. So, so great. Um, not Yeah, it's not particularly surprising, I suppose, the Kathy Freeman moment. Um, and this isn't to undermine the, the, the power of that moment in any way. But I think also it was mentioned in one of the earlier episodes, like Steph Catley mentioned she said that she didn't have any, like, um female sports role models really in the football space growing up and so um like thank god we had Kathy Freeman right because she she was she had that on her shoulders for a lot of young women coming through who then went on to become um these fantastic athletes and was a source of inspiration for so many but I think kind of because there weren't a whole bunch at this time um and and that uh, some people may point out like for example we had the Matildas competing at these Olympics but that doesn't mean that they were necessarily getting the coverage and the energy and and the support that they should have I'd be curious to see like I suppose it's the kind of older um group of Matildas that reflect like have this strong connection to this moment in in 2000 um but what the younger um group who they kind of look up to um because it wouldn't necessarily be Sam Kerr just they're probably a little bit too old to like have been that young and 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 have that you know initial like oh my god I can do this um I think that's more the the kidlets that are coming through now and that's emphasized a lot in this series but yeah um who they were kind of driven by I'd be intrigued to hear but anyway that's not in the episode so I just it's I'm not trying to be critical I just I, I just have questions and thoughts sometimes anyway yes 
We definitely don't have to get into it now, but I think there is a time and a place for a conversation about comparing this Women's World Cup to the Sydney 2000 Olympics and its impact because I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around because obviously we're not at the World Cup yet, but can we compare them? Are they the, like are they moments that have a sort of equal weight and will have an equal impact on the young kids watching it in Australia? I think the answer is yes, but there's also a part of me that's like, we'll never have another Kathy moment. We can't have another Kathy moment because no one else can kind of carry the weight of the entire nation on their shoulders like Kathy. But if we were going to compare that sort of expectation and pressure, you've got to say that Sam Kerr probably is the next candidate who would have that expectation and pressure on her shoulders to deliver in front of the nation all of their hopes and dreams. But like I said, that's that's a big conversation. That's a whole other episode. Um, I think the cool thing about this episode... Well, I mean, she we- does talk about mm. the Olympics in this episode. So I, I guess, again, we get to see that kind of insight of her carrying so much for this this team and this moment I think I think it is like a really important moment to kind of discuss it because like this documentary in and of itself is like part of the hype for this world cup and like this world like we need the hype this is awesome we need we need energy we need people paying attention to what's happening here and it needs to be sustained but yeah kind of at the core of it is Sam Kerr as captain of this team who has this like absolutely enormous task um yeah I I don't know like it's like the the Matildas are kind of they are a symbol in a lot of ways but there's like real people involved in this yeah I mean I think that the parallel is is right Marissa and I think doing a drawing a comparison between these two sort of moments there are obviously lots of differences the the major one I think being obviously context um, where, you know, the, the 2000 Olympics, particularly the way in which First Nations women um, were uh, represented in sport was very different to what it is now, um, even though it's not it's not sort of skyrocketed in terms of visibility or, or um, representation. It is still a very different kind of moment. Um, and so for her to have done what she did back then when there was so much sort of political and cultural tension around First Nations rights and, and representation in institutions and, and all that sort of thing, um, it had a very different kind of cultural ripple effect, I think, because of that. Whereas this Women's World Cup, you know, we've got Indigenous place names being used. We've got Indigenous designs being woven throughout all of the branding. We've got um, some incredibly proud First Nations people who are presumably going to be doing um, some, you know, cultural work and stuff around the tournament as well. We're going to be having welcomes to country. We're going to be, you know, so in that sense, I think there's quite a big difference. But I think the biggest parallel is that these are two iconic people. And I, I don't I don't put all of this on Sam Kerr, actually. I think it's it's the Matildas as a as a collective, which is is carrying the, the weight on their shoulders, even though Sam is the sort of the figurehead of that. Um but but the opportunity I think is the big parallel because by taking up the spotlight in a moment like this and 
directing it where it ought to be directed. That's how you create legacy. And I think that's what Kathy Freeman was able to do when she wore the Aboriginal flag, when she was doing her victory lap. You know, she didn't have to do that. She didn't have to walk around it in bare feet, but she did. And that was really symbolic and it was really significant. And I think the Matildas recognise the, the power of this spotlight and they know that it's something that they don't just have to perform well in, but they need to sort of utilise in non-footballing ways as well in order to have the kind of impact that a Cathy Freeman did. Um, but I, I think the other major difference as well is that the Sydney Olympics was a multi-sport event, whereas this is one sport, it's women's sport exclusively, and it's part of a much bigger movement in terms of that, um, which the Sydney Olympics weren't. So maybe that's partly why the Cathy Freeman moment was such a thunderbolt because it, it sort of came from nowhere and it was in the middle of a whole bunch of other stuff that not really very many people were paying attention to. And she sort of just like crashed through it all in this incredible moment of light and, and heat. And whereas the Matildas has sort of been a slower build and it's part of this much bigger sort of thunderstorm, I suppose, if you want to continue on with the, with the weather metaphor. Um, yeah. So, but again, like it's, it's about legacy, right? It's about the impact that a moment like this, a small moment can have in terms of inspiring what's going to be thousands and thousands of people. And the thing that excites me the most is actually what's going to happen 23 years from now, because we've seen how much has changed from 2000 to 2023. So like, what's this next 25 years going to look like? That was one of the things I actually really liked about this episode was like getting to hear kind of a bit more of Sam Kerr's perspective on not just like the legacy that she hopes this world cup will have, but her legacy specifically. And it was kind of like a little peek behind the curtain into Sam Kerr's brain. And I think we got to see that throughout the entire series, honestly, because we saw, you know, the way she kind of spoke about uh, the Olympics, the Asian cup, um, all of these moments, it was nice to be able to hear it directly from Sam and how she processes things and um, how she kind of got to be where she is and I feel like this was a really good episode as well in the sense of getting to know a lot of the stalwart players so like you mentioned Sam we got to you know see Lydia on country we got to see her with Uncle Greg and that was so you know getting to see the old photos of her dad and all of this stuff like that was a really beautiful story we got to know a bit more about Caitlin Ford and her family we got to see Steph Catley and Dean Bazanis in London and seeing all of them it was just a really nice sort of moment to re-get to know the players that we already did know in a, a small kind of way um yeah I, I really liked um the the little snippet that we got of Caitlin Ford. Caitlin Ford's not really a big media person. Um, she, I think she still gets quite nervous when she speaks to media and she doesn't really offer very much. But this was really the first interview, I think, that I've seen in quite a while where she harks back to how she grew up and, and speaks about how difficult it was and the sacrifices that her family made for her. Um, and I think in the, in the economic context of Australian football, her story is really important because she grew up um, in uh, in the south of uh, New South Wales and around Wollongong. Um, her mum was a single mother raising two girls and had to pay an extreme amount of money and drive an extreme distance regularly in order to, to take Caitlin to, to training. 
Um, and one of the things that Kate said in terms of the legacy that she wants to leave is that she wants to make sure that football is accessible for people from low-income families because they, you know, her family, her mum was on the dole when they she was first coming through the sort of the youth ranks um, in New South Wales. And there was so much that they had to do. Like there was that beautiful anecdote about how Kate had to sell boxes of chocolates to raise money for her to be able to go to training, you know, and the bus driver um, at school would would buy the rest of the box if she wasn't able to sell all of them on a particular afternoon. So, yeah, it was it was a really nice reminder um, that even you know, fifteen years ago, um, 10, 15 years ago, that that Matildas like some of the best players in the whole world came from beginnings like that they came from foundations like that and it's still the case today uh the fact that football is so expensive to access at grassroots level is one of the the biggest issues that we're facing as a sport and i think that this particular storyline from kate um is really representative of the 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 challenge there that still remains and how many potential talents like a caitlin ford we've lost because they haven't been able to afford to play. Yeah, I wasn't expecting the doco to go viva the socialism, or whatever that phrase is. I'll have to check. Um, but I do think, yeah, it was something that was running through my mind a little bit, like in terms of the players discussing, like the support that they've had from their family, that that makes a lot of sense. Like how would you be able to be like a teenager and be able to do so much of this stuff without having someone else being able to get you to the games and, and get you to those trips and, you know, get equipment, uniform, whatever, all of that stuff costs money. And I think, yeah, this was a real, like the Ford storyline was really important in that regard. Um, that it's, it, yeah, there's a, there is a class element to this and um I I guess that's something that's not necessarily going to be flagged up front because this is meant to like inspire it's it's a it's a feel-good documentary but I think um those conversations are still really important to have in terms of like what you can be inspired but what material like materially do we need to do to get more girls and women on the pitch and and not just and across a range of different backgrounds and, and a diverse group of people playing football because, you know, we're a diverse country. Um, so, yeah, I, I suppose I I, I really loved um, that, that interview with Caitlin Ford and um, learnt quite a lot about kind of her story as well um, through this episode. I will say the one thing about this episode, because I feel like there was also then some very brief but decent chat out of Sarah Walsh about legacy and it kind of touched on, you know, um, I liked the quote from her. I think it was um, legacy is about more than memories. It's about more than the World Cup itself and it's capitalising on that to allow, you know, low-income families to send their kids to football. It's making sure that there are facilities for girls to change and shower and whatever it is at local clubs as well as you know the big stadiums um so this was a very legacy heavy episode what made me I suppose laugh now in hindsight is that it wasn't a particularly football field episode but it technically covered the two windows where the Matildas started their seven game winning streak it had the two wins 
um, over in Europe against Denmark and South Africa. And then it had the return um, friendlies in November, that Sweden game in Melbourne and then and the Thailand game in Central Coast. We don't really see much of any of them. We get a little bit of an insight in the Melbourne game, the win against Sweden. Um, but in terms of the actual football chat, this was not a football very episode football heavy episode and yet it was the beginning of the turnaround it was kind of the moment where the fortunes started to change were you guys surprised that we kind of didn't get to see more of what had been a really major storyline throughout the last five episodes we didn't then get to see the change if that makes sense I I wasn't I wasn't I, I was surprised because the Sweden game was the best game that they had played under Tony. And they clearly had so much access to everything in the build-up. They had access to change rooms. They had, you know, like that That could have been the absolute perfect way to wrap up this series in terms of the football drama. But I'm also not surprised because that's not what this series is about. The football plays one part, but it's not the story here. The story is about the players and this team and what they mean and how much they've struggled over the last two years and the things that they've learned about themselves and why they matter to all of us. Because like at the end of a day, at the end of the day, I know more football fans than not who love a club, not necessarily because of how they perform, but because of what they stand for and what they mean to them because of how they've ingrained themselves or embedded themselves in their communities and in their families and, and in their own lives. And that's what I think this is meant to do. This series is meant to be about how the Matildas have come to be who they are, not based on what they do on the field. And that's why it's so powerful. And that's, I think why this episode is structured in the way that it is and why this series ends the way that it does, because it's about the people and it's about the impact that they have off the field. So yeah, it was amazing to um, to see, like to get little glimpses of these games, but it was a reminder that actually the majority of the work that happens in football happens off field. And if you're able to address all of this stuff off the field, you often see that translated into performances on it. So we get like a return of the Katrina Gori storyline talking about how uh, she's found balance in terms of being a mum and being an athlete and describing herself as a superwoman. We see Claire Polkinghorn get a bit of a shout out. We get more Sam Kerr. We get all of these players sort of swirling around who've been in and out of different episodes, all finally sort of coming together in this one kind of crescendo of a, of a window and particularly that crescendo of that Sweden game um, and, and seeing it all starting to pay off. And I really, really hope that, this, there's like going to be a season two of this, which starts from the Sweden game and goes all the way through to the end of the World Cup because that, like this Sweden game was the turning point. And we look back on that moment in hindsight, we say that was actually the turning point. That was the game where we saw for the first time exactly who the Matildas are. We saw the kind of football that they've always been talking about wanting to play. And we saw the way in which that moment relit belief in everybody you know what I mean and and that just continued to sort of to to flow over the next six to eight months um yeah so uh, that sorry that was a bit of a ramble as well but I think it, it's this the episode episode in particular it really summarized the the biggest theme 
one of the biggest themes of this entire series for me, which is that athletes are people first. And then if you take care of the people, the people will take care of the football. Do we want to do final thoughts on the series, both as like, I suppose, critical analysis, but also like just as fans of the Matildas who got to watch six episodes of a documentary that were literally all about the Matildas? Like what were the final thoughts? This is your concluding sentence basically for the Matildas documentary as a whole. I actually think the most fitting way of concluding this series is actually what the editors have done with a, 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 a scene with Tony. Um, there's a really fabulous final paragraph that he, I think, just says off the top of his head, which is kind of extraordinary. Um, and I think it's maybe worth just me reading it out because I think it, it really wraps up everything that we've been talking about over all these different episodes and everything that we've sort of been feeling, everything that we've learned, everything that we've experienced, the way in which this series has recontextualised so much stuff for us and also what the Matildas mean to us as individuals, to us as a podcast and to us as members of this community. So this is what Tony says at the end of this final episode. Every person has a different way of looking at belief. For me, belief for this team means that they understand that if we perform at our highest level as individuals and as a team, we can beat anyone in the world on any given day. We've invested a lot of time in this team over the last year, and even though it hasn't been easy, we're really proud of the depth of the roster. We've shown what we can do. So let's do it again and again and again at a World Cup. When you see them going through some hardships, injury, family matters, and you see the commitment and support that they have, it creates a power and a drive and a passion and a motivation that makes them very hard to stop. And I feel like that just perfectly summarises what the Matildas are. It, it talks about everything that they've been through. It talks about the, the untouchable things that we've always referenced when it comes to this squad, this, these intangible things, these feelings, this passion, this motivation, this belief in themselves and in each other, this commitment, all the stuff that really is what makes football football. You can have all the tactics, you can have all the data, you can have all the drills, you can, you know, whatever. But the thing that actually makes the Matildas what they are is is the stuff beyond that. And I think this series, for the first time, I think, of, of anything that I've watched or read, it really illustrates that, like down to the T. You get to the end of this and you're kind of like, I feel like I understand them now. I, I would just say, like, for this... Like if you're a fan of Matildas, watch it. If you're planning to attend the World Cup and you don't know much about them, you're probably not listening to this podcast, but you should definitely watch it. You should send it to your nan. She'll love it. Um, I think it's like uh, I, I definitely got a lot out of it as someone who follows the Matildas quite closely, um, which I quite liked. Um, but I think from that position there were kind of things that I would have preferred to see a little bit more on or, or, or areas that um, I thought were kind of left untouched in a way. Um, but, yeah, I can't be 
too critical of it. I think it's, yeah, it's a really um, neat series. Um, and I think really like summarizes the kind of the, the key moments coming into, into this world cup that I suppose will bring people a bit more insight and, and, and a bit more, I suppose in some cases like respect or understanding for this particular group of women and what they do and, and why they do it. So yeah. Um, I think it's a really good point that like us watching this documentary being so in the weeds of the Tillies, um, there definitely were bits like, I need more. I need more answers. I know this. I've been in Tony Gustafson press conferences for two years. Like, I know this. I want the other angle. But I think it was during my second rewatch um, when they were talking about the fans and they were doing, like, the little um, in Canberra where, you know, they're taking the photos, they're signing the autographs, they're doing all of this. Um, and I kind of have to force myself to remember that I was once the small child well, I wasn't a small child. I was like 19 when I started following the Tillies. Um, but like I was once that baby fan who just wanted to devour every single thing about the Matildas. Um, and so there was a nice moment in my brain where I was like, this is going to, this doco is going to be someone's first entry into like the Matildas and is going to start a lifelong following of this team and like football in this country. And that was a really special thing to realise because um obviously sometimes in our positions we need to take a step back and remember that there's a lot of good and this team does a lot of good and there's so much hope and excitement around this team if you're not in the weeds if you just follow them normally as football fans do and should um so I'm really excited about the baby nuffs who are going to put on Disney plus and watch this documentary and just have their tiny minds blown. Cause I know that like when I started following the team in like 2015, after the Canada world cup, I would have absolutely frothed the prospect of six 40 minute episodes about the Matildas. Like I would have injected that directly into my veins. It would have been so, so good. So I'm so excited for the next generation of fans who are going to fall in love with this team and have this documentary to kind of, help them on their way and ease them into lifelong fandom of Australian women's football. But um, that, that's the end of our documentary series. Um, if you've listened to this, we hope that you've watched The Matildas, The World at Our Feet, streaming exclusively on Disney+, because um, I can't imagine it would have made much sense if you haven't watched the documentary series as a whole. But Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we're on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app, as well as Spotify, Apple and Google, all of the usual pod spots. The documentary is called The Matildas, The World at Our Feet, streaming exclusively on Disney+. Plus. If you want to have a chat to us about the doco, we're at The Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, see you.